الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعض فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم we live in a world where professional sports is very emphasized and followed by much of the population you see that uh there's season after season after season there's professional baseball and professional baseball slowly moves into professional basketball and football and hockey and each of these have their seasons and so much energy time focus money goes into these professional sports now what's interesting about professional sports is that not only are the athletes professional but the entire setup is professional What do I mean by that? So I know that uh, in the common society and in the common way that we look at things, um, you look at a sport, I don't know, baseball, and when you look at the baseball, you say, this is the star pitcher. This is the team that won the World Series. This is the star outfielder. This is a home run hitter. So we focus on the athletes, and in particular, we focus on the star athletes within a, in a sport. But you have to remember that what makes that sport work is not only the fact that you have professional athletes, but beyond professional athletes, you have an entire universe of professionalism. For example, professional athletes require professional field, you know, a professional grade or professional level field to play in. So not only do you have professional athletes, but they have to have professional stadiums. And those stadiums have to be very high caliber because they can sense when a stadium doesn't meet their needs. Similarly, you have a professional organization behind each team. So not only do you have an athlete, but you have a general manager, you have a manager, you have a general manager, you even have a CEO of the organization, you have professional coaches. All of these are professional people. And so much of what you're able to get out of a team not only depends on the athletes, but it depends on the coaches. It depends on the GM. It depends on the entire organization. It's that whole organization that actually comes out and makes a team successful. But one, another very important aspect of the game is that you have professional referees. Professional referees. Or in the case of baseball, you have a professional umpire. Now, why is that important? Because those are the people that are going to oversee the game to make sure that everything's fair. And if it's not fair, it's not going to be fun, and it's not going to really test the ability of the athletes. So, for example, 
when the World Series is being played, they're not going to hire me to sit behind the plate and call balls and strikes. I can't even see the ball moving, let alone figure out whether it's a ball or a strike. They have professionals who have a you know have a strike zone, and that strike strike zone is extremely defined, and they rely on those professionals to call balls and strikes, and they rely on those professionals so much to call balls and strikes, meaning they're so relied upon that it's not acceptable to question them. It's not acceptable to question them, and in fact, if they're questioned, the fans view that as unprofessional, and the Umpires have the ability to remove the player from the game if the questioning becomes severe. And you'll see this will happen. Like, for example, I mean, it's a high-stress situation, the World Series, okay? And there's a professional calling balls and strikes, the umpire behind the plate. And as they're calling balls and strikes, if they're calling, if their strike zone is wide, you know, maybe you might see, or let's say the strike zone is, uh, yeah, the strike zone is wide, Okay, and there's a pitch on the outside corner. Maybe you'll see the 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 the, the player who's up to bat get upset that you know how could you call that a strike? That was clearly a, a ball, whatever it might be. But they're not allowed to argue with the umpire, and they're not allowed to cl- complain about the umpire. For example, if after the game one of the players complains and says, "Oh, it's all the umpire's fault. It's I, it's not fair. It's not fair. I w- I'm great. I'm the best player. It's not fair." Everybody looks down upon that person. Everybody looks down upon that person. And if somebody argues with the umpire, they eject the player, and that's it. Everybody says, that's it. You have to be out. There's no discussion. Why did you eject them, this and that? Everybody accepts it, that that person should not have argued with the umpire, and that is required, that respect is required in order for the game to be able to be played at a professional level. Now, in this life, we have a very similar setup. You have this bunch of players, which we are. You know, all of us are players. We're, we're put into this world for a temporary game, and that game is a game of life. And there's a very professional field, okay? That's the planet Earth. And all these people are professional players. And all these people, they have a goal, and that is to be successful in this life. But the difference is, the difference is that there is a judge. There is a judge who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability to judge is absolute. No one can question it. Completely absolute. Now, in a game when there's an umpire, I mean, relative, we have a relative rule that you can't question the umpire. You have to respect the umpire. It's part of sportsmanlike conduct to respect the umpire. But in this game of life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the absolute umpire, is the absolute judge, who is all-knowing, all-seeing, completely in control, and no one has a right to question. Now, people question all the time, but nobody has a right to question. And what we have to appreciate is that not only does this umpire judge everything, but the umpire is the one, meaning in this case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, who has set up the entire paradigm. Everybody's circumstance is set up exactly the way it's supposed to be. And no one else controls it except Allah. Allah sees all. He hears all. He knows all. He created all. He has written everything for all. And no one has the ability to deviate from that. Now, why, why, why do I mention this? I mean, it's very simplistic. You look at sports and you say, okay, there's an umpire. You shouldn't question the umpire. And whatever call they make, they make. But let me just put this in the context of of our reality. 
One of the most, one of the very common statements in life, especially from kids, but also from adults, is they'll say they'll make the following statement: "It's not fair." You hear this from kids all the time, but adults use it as well. But kids often use it: "It's not fair." Now, when they say "it's not fair," what do they mean? They mean that somehow someone got something that they wanted, or something wasn't divided in the way that they thought it should be divided, or something wasn't done in the way they thought it should be done. So then the, the statement is made: "It's not fair." Now, when a child makes that statement, then the parent spends a lot of time trying to explain how it really is fair. Okay, so the child says, "It's not fair. My piece of cake is smaller than her piece of cake." Okay, then the parent takes both pieces of cake and holds them up next to each other and says, "Look, look, look! These pieces of cake are exactly the same. It is fair." And then they say, "No, no, 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 no! It's not fair. You can't see my piece of cake is smaller." Then we say, "Okay, you take this piece of cake, and then I'll take that piece of cake." And they say, "No, I don't want your piece of cake." Right? So they have this thing that. Uh, they've decided that it's not fair, so there's no way it's going to be fair. The parents turn blue in the face trying to explain how this thing is fair, but it doesn't matter. It's not going to register with them, and the parents get upset. They say, "Well, okay, fine. If you're not going to figure it out, then just go to your room and you know you cry it out, and then you come back, and that's just the way the world works. These two pieces of cake are equal." Now, as we get older, we do the exact same thing. Except we're not claiming that it's not fair because my mom cut the piece of cake in a way that I didn't think was right. We claim it's not fair because we, very short-sightedly and with a very limited amount of knowledge, look at what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has decreed for us, and we think it's not fair. This is a very super, and it's a very superficial way. It's a very childish way of looking at the world. What happens is we look at life and we say, we look at what other people have, and we look at what we don't have, and then we say it's not fair. How come this person has these things and I don't? How come this person's life is going this way and mine isn't? How come this person? I mean, I'm in the medical field, so I hear this every day. How come I'm not getting into medical school and they got into medical school? How come I'm not getting residency and they got residency? Whatever it might be. So we have this notion of like somehow things are not fair. This whole concept of it's not fair, the whispering of that concept comes from shaitan. The whispering of that concept comes from shaitan. Why? Because look, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is the one that's in control, and Allah is just. Allah is wise. Allah is all knowing. Allah has created this world as a test and puts everyone in their circumstance as a test for the sake of it being a test. So how can it not be fair? How can we ever claim that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala would create a circumstance that would not be fair? It's not possible. Everything is fair. It's impossible that something could be unfair because it was all from Allah. The moment we claim something to be unfair, we're actually criticizing Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for putting us in a test that we don't want to be in. But if Allah knows all, sees all, controls all, determines all, destines all, then how can it be that anything could ever be unfair? The thing is that everything in this life is a test. 
And the test is created in such a way that it sees how we respond to that test. And like I said last week, it's a closed system. Nobody's taking anything out. So if nobody's taking anything out, it's not, it, there is no issue of fairness. I mean, what, you're going to take $5,000 from this world and someone else is going to take $10,000 from this world? It's not happening. No one takes anything from this world. No one takes anything from this world. It's a closed system. It's a box. No one can remove. No one can put in. You cannot add $5,000 to this world. You cannot remove $5,000 from this world. Everyone comes empty-handed. Everyone leaves empty-handed. There's no issue of fair. There's no issue of fair. The only thing is we can take our good deeds. We can take our... Uh, you know, the positive that we do in this life. And it's all a consequence and all judged exactly based on the circumstance that we have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's judgment is not absolute. It's relative. You're not judged absolutely. We're not judged, did you donate $10,000? That's not the question. The question is, of whatever Allah gave you or gave us, how much did we give to Allah, return to Allah? If somebody makes a billion dollars, they might have to do donate $990 million before they'll have passed their test. If somebody makes $10, maybe they have to donate $7 before they pass their test. Everybody's test is different, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grades it and judges it in a relative way. Because Allah sees all, knows all, hears all, captures all, there's no exception. So it can never be, it can never be that somebody's circumstance in this life is unfair. Everybody's circumstance is their circumstance. They have to accept their circumstance. They have to accept their abilities. They have to accept the place that they've been placed. And they have to react accordingly. Now, of course, it's human nature. Whatever thing in our life isn't working out the way that we want it to work out, we claim that's not fair. Whatever thing in our life is not working out the way that we want it to work out, then we'll claim that thing is not fair. So, you know, if my parents, I don't get along with my parents, or my parents don't treat me the way that I want to be treated, I'll look at five other parents in the world, and I'll say, it's not fair. Look at that parent, and look at that parent, look at that parent, look at that parent, but my parents don't treat me that way. It's not fair. No, it is fair. Because that's my test. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created my test for me and didn't test me in so many other ways that the world is being tested in and tested me in this way. So I have to respond in the way that I have to respond to the exam that Allah has placed me in. And when I respond to that exam, I can pass or fail that test. I don't have the right to choose the exam. I don't have the right to criticize the exam. I mean, you don't go into math class and say, it's not fair, I don't want this test, I want that test. Why are you asking me um, quadratic equations? Why don't you ask me simplification of fractions? You can't do that. Whatever the test is, you have to answer the questions. So that's the same way with every single one of us. We don't have the right to say, why are you calling balls? Why are you calling strikes? Why didn't you, you know, expand the strike zone or widen the strike zone? We don't have that right. We accept everything the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written it for us. And we respond according to the circumstance that he placed us in. This is a, the big, one of the big deceptions of shaitan. Because what happens? It starts with it's not fair and it ends with complaints. Why, there's nothing to complain about. 
How can any person have anything to complain about when Allah is the one that bestowed the circumstance upon us? If we complain about anything, what are we really complaining about? We're complaining about Allah. Na'udhu Billah. We don't have a right to complain about any single thing. Where, where in the sunnah, where in the sunnah do we see Rasulullah complaining about something? Except, except himself and his perceived inability to worship Allah the way Allah deserved to be worshipped. And Rasulullah is not complaining about his food, complaining about his circumstance, complaining about the heat, complaining about his house. You know, I mean, what? It was just Rasulullah was grateful for every single blessing that Allah bestowed upon him and was grateful for every test that Allah bestowed upon him. And how many tests came upon Rasulullah? Now, and we're complaining about breakfast, then we complain about lunch, then we complain about dinner, then we complain about where we live and where we, our houses and our relationships. And it's continuous. And all we're really doing in the process is failing the test. All we're really doing in the process is failing the test and criticizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we have no right to do so. What should have happened is, as our circumstances in life evolve, we accept them the way they are, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us with, with whatever is good in this life and help us to avoid those things which are bad in this life. And that's it. That should be, that's the response of the believer. Instead, we get caught up in complaining. It's not fair. It's, this is not fair. That's not fair. I'm not being treated fair. You're not treating me fair. How come this is like this? How come that is like that? that the, the tongue of the believer never complains. The tongue of the believer never complains, let alone the person who is striving towards excellence in this deen. We shouldn't be able to find anything that we complain about. If we have any complaint, we should take a few minutes and look at the people who have, quote-unquote, externally have less than us. Now, what, what are we supposed to do? What's the paradigm? The paradigm is that there are two aspects to our existence, our deen and our dunya. In the context of deen, we're supposed to look at the people beyond us and hope and wish that we have that we can achieve that. And in the context of dunya, we're supposed to be, look at the people that have a little less than us. And we're supposed to be thankful that we have more than that. Listen very carefully. In the context, there are two aspects to our life, deen and dunya. In the context of deen, we should be hanging around the people who have more than us. We should be looking at the people who appear to have more than us. And we should be asking, how can I achieve that? And in the context of dunya, we should be looking at the people who apparently have less than us. And we should be thankful for what we have. Now, how is the paradigm? We've made the paradigm upside down. In matters of deen, we look at the people who do less than us. And we criticize them. And we pat ourselves on the back. You know, brother, I have to sit down. I have to tell you something major I need to talk to you about. Okay, what do you want to talk about, brother? All my family doesn't eat halal. I say, all your family? All my family, brother. Not one exception except me. Except me. So what am I supposed to do? 
So when it comes to deen, we're quick to criticize everyone else and pat ourselves, pat ourselves on the back, when it should have been the opposite. And when it comes to dunya, then we're looking at everybody above us. We're reading Forbes list, the top 40. Allahu Akbar, he has $40 billion. You know, we're looking at that. We're looking at every person that has one thing more than us. Somebody got a new car, how come I don't have a newer car? Somebody got a new place, how come I don't have a bigger place? Somebody's salary is a little higher, how come my salary is not a little higher? We've completely flipped the paradigm. And we're already living, you know, and then the problem, what happens is that then we're never satiated. So the reason that in deen you're supposed, we're supposed to look at people above us is so we never be content with what we have. We always strive one step further to Allah. We should never be content with what we have in deen. We should always want more because in Jannah, this is what brings us permanence in Jannah. And in dunya, the reason that we look at the people that have less than us is because the people who have less than us, we should be, it contents us with what we have. It takes our attention away from the foolish pursuits of this life and moves our attention towards the permanent pursuit of the hereafter. But if you reverse the paradigm, then the entire focus of the human being gets completely off, off, off cue. So now, in, if I'm patting myself on, about deen and I'm looking at the people who do less than me, then I will never strive towards doing more in deen, which means I will never achieve my full, full potential, which means I will never get my maximum reward. And if I'm worried about dunya, then I'll be striving, of competing with the people who are foolishly pursuing, uh, you know, these mirages of home, bank account, etc. And my focus will go towards something that is not permanent. So this is the, this is the, the, the what we, what we have to appreciate is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing, all, all seeing, all hearing, and has written what he has written. That is his decree. And we should be content with that. The only place where we're not content with that is in matters of ibadah, in that we would like to do more. It doesn't mean that we're unhappy with the tawfiq that Allah has given us. But we ask Allah that he grant us the ability to do more in the acts of deen, hoping that he will open the door to to uh, being able to achieve a very high uh, level in Jannah. That is the goal of every single person. So what does that mean? It means that the only complaints we have are complaints of deen. Not, not that it should we should make ourselves unhappy with whatever Allah has blessed us in deen, but if we have any complaint, if we have any complaint, the complaint is, Ya Allah, I wish I could worship you more. Ya Allah, I wish I could achieve more in Jannah. Ya Allah, I wish that I could be like these pious people that came before me. That is the only complaint that ever should arise from the tongue of the believer. Everything else is Alhamdulillah. And even in Acts of Ibadah actually, it's Alhamdulillah, Ya Allah, thank you for allowing me to come to the masjid for Maghrib, I would be forever grateful if you let me come to the masjid for Isha. Ya Allah, I was the least deserving person on the planet to show up in the masjid for Maghrib. Somehow, you allowed this lowly being to come into this castle of the masjid 
So yeah, Allah, thank you for giving me that opportunity. That's the attitude of the believer. Not, why is my dinner too cold? Why am I not able to drive the same car like everybody else? Why is my salary $150,000 a year? Why can't it be $170,000? $150,000 a year is more than 95% of the planet makes. But what happens? People are not discontent with whatever... Uh, the, you know, whatever they have, and they become uh, critical of whatever Allah has bestowed upon them. We are always grateful for whatever Allah has given us, and it is always fair. There is no such thing as unfair when it comes to what Allah has written for us. It might, from one angle, you know, the child, when the, you get upset with the children when they say, it's not fair, it's not fair, you say, what are you talking about, it's not fair? Then you explain the whole story to them. You say, you're saying this isn't fair, but what about this and this and this and this and this? And of course, they can't hear it because they're little kids. They don't want to hear it. They just want to scream. But you start explaining from every angle how it is fair. But same thing with us. You know, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give us one particular blessing, then look at it from the angle of the fact that Allah has bestowed so many other things upon us. Maybe if my salary was a million dollars, then I would also have a million dollars worth of depression. Right? Then the person knows. When the person gets there and they're making a million dollars and then they come and sit down and tell you that they can't sleep every night, which sleeping pill should they take? That's the advice they ask for. Then the person really, I gave you the story of the guy who won the lotto a few weeks back. We were talking, I told you the story of the guy who won 267 or whatever number million dollars. And what was his thing? You know, he obviously played the lotto, he tried to make the money, he won the money, and then eventually he says, I wish I never won it. Now he knows, after having gone through the whole cycle, losing his son or whoever else had died, I told you the whole story at that point, then he realizes that it was fair. I don't, now, now he's saying, it's not fair, I got this, I won this. You know, it, it's just life. People, no one is ever happy. No one is ever happy because they always look at it from the perspective of their own one lens. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is complete and absolute and all-knowing and all-hearing and all-seeing and gets it and it's capturing it from every single angle. So it's always fair. And why is it infinitely fair? Because no one can take anything. It's a closed system. Look, if somebody has a billion dollars, they cannot take the billion dollars to Jannah. It's totally fair. Only thing they can take to Jannah is their book of deeds. And their book of deeds is going to be how did they react? How did they do? How did they act? They have the same test. They have to bump into people. They have to deal with their relatives. They have to deal with their wealth. They have to be patient in circumstances. They get sick. There's no, there's no difference in life with a person who has a billion dollars, a person who has a million dollars, a person who has a hundred thousand dollars. Yes, the names of their possessions differ the names of the things that they own differ. Maybe the types of food that they eat might differ. But the game is completely fair. Even if somebody amasses all the wealth on the planet, they cannot take it with them the moment they die, all the marbles roll. And different people grab and pick them up. You know, it's like a game. Everybody grabs as many marbles as possible. And then when you're out, you have to drop all your marbles on the floor and everybody else can grab all your marbles. Everybody, as their soul is being lifted from their body all the marbles fall. And it all goes back onto this planet. No one can take in, no one can take out. Now, few other people grab it, everybody has it, they die, it goes back. Look how many empires came before, how many kings came before, how many pharaohs came before, how much wealth they had amassed, and what happened? 
It eventually dis- dissipates and disperses throughout the world. Read the, hist- read the history of human beings. Kingdoms come and go. Empires come and go. Kings come and go. Politicians come and go. Wealthy come and go. No one takes anything with them. It's always fair. No one takes anything with them. Everybody has this. Everybody is in the same boat, which is called test. This life is a test. No one takes anything with them except the score on the test. And everybody's test is graded fairly. So how can we be complaining? You can't complain about the test. No one can complain about the test. It's the test. You can say, I don't want this test. I want this test. Okay, you can have that test. It doesn't matter. It's still a test. I don't want this test. I want this test. You can have that test. It doesn't matter. That's still a test. And the funny thing is, you don't want this test. Then you get this test. Then you complain. Why do I have this test? So then you get that test. Then we complain. Why do we have this test? It's like a kid. You have two pieces of cake. They're exactly the same. Now, you know, you can't see them, but look, let me rotate the whole piece for you, flip it in 3D, and show you that every single angle, it's exactly the same. But from, from your angle, it looks like one is bigger than the other, but they're exactly the same. There's no difference. That's life. Everybody has T-E-S-T. There's no difference. Everybody's test is the same. The angle looks different. One person's angle is this, one person's angle is that, one person's angle is this. But the test never differs. The fact that it's a test never differs. The fact that Allah is an absolute and fair umpire and oversees everything in an absolute way. Everybody is tested in the most, in the exact same fair way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all just, all knowing, all seeing, all hearing, and will do everything in a way that's equitable for every one of his creation. I guarantee you, no one will stand up on the day of judgment and say, my test was not fair. Everybody's test will be absolutely fair. No one will have a doubt about the fact that they were given a fair test. They will only have remorse about the fact that they did not live up to that test. So what is there to complain about? No one should, not, no striving believer should have any complaint about anything that happens in life. We should always be happy. There are some people who undergo some difficult circumstances and they're not allowed in their circumstance. A a, a mother who loses their child is not allowed to complain about the loss of that child. That's one of the biggest tests that a person can undergo. So what excuse would we have to complain? Everybody's test is equivalent. Everybody's test is fair. Everybody has to appreciate that. And instead of worrying about other people's tests, we should worry about our own test. We should be grateful to Allah for what he has bestowed upon us. We should focus on the things that are important and we should make the best of the opportunity because it will be a source of regret on the day of judgment if we don't take advantage of the circumstance in which we live. Rather than wasting time complaining about circumstances, why does this person treat me this way? Why didn't I get that? Why did this illness befall my family? We should just be thankful. If it's a difficulty, alhamdulillah, ya Allah, there is no believer that goes through difficulty except that they come out ahead. If they're patient, they receive a reward. There is no, there's no circumstance that the believer doesn't come out ahead. Alhamdulillah. If the believer is patient, there is no circumstance in which the believer does not come out ahead. So what is there to complain about? The only way we lose is if we complain. 
Because two things happened. Number one, the test came on us and we can't get rid of it. Number two, because we complained, we lost the reward that was associated with it. And number three, because we failed it, it's going to come again and repeat itself. And now we have to, do, we have to go through the whole circumstance again until we figure it out. So what was the benefit? Test comes upon me. I complain. The test is going to come again. I fail the test that I was in. And I lost the ability to take benefit from the circumstance. Test comes upon me and I'm patient. I receive a reward from my Lord. My sins are wiped away. And I'm thankful and grateful so Allah will increase me the next time and I'll avoid the test in the future. So you tell me what makes more sense. It's so obvious. You don't even need to compute. You don't even need to think for a moment. It's completely obvious that we should exhibit patience in every circumstance that befalls us and always be grateful regardless of what that circumstance is. And it differs for everybody in this room. Whether it be loss of wealth or loss of health or loss of life or loss of a a career or job or whatever it might be, we are always, always, always grateful to Allah for whatever He has bestowed upon us and we ask that He maintain us in our deen. This has to be like the primary lesson. By the way, this is the... Sign of the psalik, the sign of the sign of the fact that a person has advanced in their saluk. When a person approaches Allah, does the dhikr of Allah, remembers Allah, begins to connect with Allah, then they begin to see that everything comes from Allah. Eventually, they see it wasn't Zaid who said that to me. It was that Allah gave Zaid the permission to say that to me. It wasn't that I earned a hundred dollars today. It was that Allah granted me the means by which I could earn $100 today. This is a, the, the person begins to see, this life looks like a bunch of people moving around. But really, every person is controlled by strings which are connected to the tawfiq of Allah. Allah is the one that's controlling every single thing. Nothing moves except with the permission of Allah. Nothing is where it is except with the permission of Allah. Nothing was and nothing will be except with the permission of Allah. So as a person begins to connect to Allah and begins to deepen their connection with Allah and begins to do the dhikr of Allah, they begin to see that actually all this is a big test. This Allah sent this person in my life and that person in my life and that circumstance in my life and that opportunity in my life and that blessing in my life and all of that was a test. And then there's a bunch of rules that I have to follow in that test. I have to act according to this way, and I have to react in this way, and I have to do these things, and I have to strive towards those things. So when Allah puts five choices in front of us, then we have a way by which we can decide what's the right choice. That comes from the Quran and the Sunnah. That's what, that's what we learn. How to act, how to react, how to determine which way to, which path to travel down. But all of it is a test. All of it is a test. And never, ever, ever should we complain about any test that befalls us. We're always grateful to Allah. We are always grateful to Allah. If I need to find a job and I don't find a job in Chicago, I'll look in Michigan. Alhamdulillah. I'll look in Dubai. Alhamdulillah. I'll look in India. Alhamdulillah. It doesn't matter. And people get these fixated. I need to be here and I need to be there and I need to be there. But I'll tell you that any person that I know, I I interact with so many people, any circumstance in which a person had a difficulty, 
and they happily accepted what they thought was a difficulty, they always come back and say to me, Alhamdulillah, this worked out perfect for me. And it doesn't matter. I have people who say, I need to get a job in Chicago. I want to be by the masjid in Chicago. I tell them, okay, apply broadly. If you get a job in Chicago, you get it in Chicago. If you end up in Dubai, you end up in Dubai. If you end up in Africa, you end up in Africa, wherever it is. Invariably, the people who were content with whatever Allah bestowed them, they've regularly come back to me and said, I couldn't believe it. I was so fixated on A, but I ended up with B, and it turned out to be the biggest blessing. Look at what happened after this and this and this. And they'll tell you the whole story of how everything worked out better than they ever imagined. Because we have these little false notions that we create in our mind that this is what I need and this is what's best and it has to happen this way and only if it happens this way will it be right. That's not the case. However it happens is how Allah, however Allah wrote it to happen. And we should be content with it. And whatever He bestows upon us, we should be happy with it. And when we're happy with it, Allah will give us more. Because you know what? It doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? Because nobody takes anything from this place and it always ends. Life always ends. Nobody lives for a thousand years today. Everybody lives for a finite number of years and in those finite number of years, whatever it is, it will end. If it's pleasure, it will end. If it's difficulty, it will end. And the person then crosses only with the score on their exam. And with that score on the exam, that's what's permanent. And everybody has, that's fair. Everybody has a fair opportunity to get, you need 100%, or you need a 90%, you need an 80%, whatever it might be. But everybody's graded according to their circumstance. You don't have to get this person's 100% or 80%. You need to get your own under or 80%. So this is the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this test. We cannot avoid it. We cannot change it. We cannot alter it. We should never complain about it. We should always be thankful. Whatever Allah has bestowed upon us. When we're thankful, we get a reward, our sins are washed away, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the next circumstance easier upon us. And, most importantly, we earn a permanent reward in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our eyes to the reality of our existence. May He open our eyes to the reality of the fact that He is in control of all. May He grant us patience and, and happiness and contentment irrespective of what He bestows upon us. And we ask that Allah not test us beyond what we're able to carry. Wa akhirat ta'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.